Hello, lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach, and I'm so excited to be here. Um, this is confession number 73, the importance of play. And this has been something that's been heavily weighing on my mind, especially since the PYP enhancements in 2018. Being a um, school coordinator, you're very mindful of the articulation of the program from your earliest learners all the way to, you know, the ending point of fifth or sixth grade of your program. And what's really been fascinating to me is the awareness of play since the PYP enhancements in 2018. It's always existed. And it's really thrived within their early years because that's how a young learner creates meaning in the best possible way. But people are now realizing hmm, maybe play is also for older students. And isn't that a fascinating and fantastic way of learning? Because if we think about an early learner, in any given learning situation, a young child is presented with open-ended materials for them to build sensory awareness. I wonder how, you know, how I can manipulate these materials, make predictions, create experiments on their own. And as they're building these connections, they're working with others to test out their theories to determine hey, do I have any misconceptions here? You know, they're in individual and group conferences with the teacher to expand their thinking. And what's beautiful is that this often initiates a new inquiry or a set of wonderings. And isn't this a magical way to think and learn? So how is it in certain learning situations when a child exits out of kindergarten as a six-year-old child their, the level of play is greatly decreased. I wonder, especially in those in test-driven societies, why does this leave the learning process? And does this also happen within international and private schools as a way of growing our students and making them more accountable for their learning process? I wonder. Now, I can only draw upon my own experience, but what I have noticed is that there's a lot more emphasis as a child ages within a testing situation, for instance, uh, more on scores and things like that. But I kicked back and resisted as an educator because I, I had that firm foundation within the international school setting that children don't learn the same way and that they all need various ways in which to approach learning situations. That's me personally. And so you can take my word for it, but why is play so vital for all children? Joseph Chilton Pierce states, play is the only way the highest intelligence of humankind can unfold. And when I think of this, I look at play as a disposition. Children tinkering with ideas and materials throughout their education. Imagine then what they do as an adult. They're playing and tinkering with ideas in an engineering lab and coming up with the latest amount of technology. 
or some sort of platform or some sort of hardware, right? But then we also have scientists who are tinkering within their lab where they're coming up with cures for illnesses and diseases that have plagued humanity. And look at COVID-19. And they're finding ways to think out of the box that they've never considered before. That can only come with a lot of reinforced play. So this quote, once again, play is the only way the highest intelligence of humankind can unfold. This quote makes me pause and reflect on the future of children who are currently in elementary school. There's been a lot of banter about learning loss over the pandemic. We've heard it in Ignazium. Yet I personally would argue the more playful learning has happened as children and educators have had to pivot towards learning new platforms, new ways of learning, collaborating virtually, and creating um, products within flipped arrangements, right? Learning, learning platforms. These skills are going to prepare them for the digital world that will only increase exponentially over the next 20 to 30 years. So why do we continue to think in some regards that we need to teach children the same way that we did in the 1800s? And play is often misunderstood. I think that a lot of people who are resistant to play have this perception that children are just playing with manipulatives. Well, who has time for that, right? That's the first question. Because I don't think that is the goal, right? Um, and that's why I say play is tinkering with materials and ideas. It's more of looking at, well, how are we going to utilize these materials to make children think and grow? So when I think of play in the early years, I think of, you know, PYP principles into practice. And I think of that people have gotten a misunderstanding in the PYP that because play is the foundation of everything that we do in early years, that they think that that's just an early years way approach. And I'm like, really? Because don't all people um, need first the chance to play with ideas and materials before they come up with novel ideas? That's my thinking anyway. So here's a scenario that I like to share with other educators when I'm engaging within a workshop. Imagine, if you will, of a learner within a class, a, an early years classroom. They are trying as much as they can to put together um, some ideas. So children, especially um, in early years, they're tinkering with a lot of materials. So an image that really um, popped in my mind was um, this girl playing with some plastic dolls and furniture and recognizing um, that this is part of how we organize ourselves in regards to homes and family needs, right? That makes sense. And 
this child is playing with these dolls, but then they're also looking at structures and how structures organize how we live and operate within a society. So they're looking at some wooden blocks and how can they create certain structures um, with those wooden blocks. And they're, ha they're given tasks um, over some time to build some structures collaboratively by themselves at stations. And why materials and also giving a variety of materials to try to build structures to reiterate that concept of uh, weight of, you know, basically uh, weight mass and looking at um, also engineering design of how we put these materials together, how they create unique structures. That's all still play. And what educators often don't understand is that we need this unstructured time to tinker with materials like this. We need time to be able to manipulate the materials using different lengths and widths and shapes so that we can build these structures. All of that, once again, is play. And you're like, what? That, that's a lot of time, but we're doing it over chunks of time. We're doing about 15 minutes, right? 15, 20 minutes at a time, but over a long period of time. And that's why I love that in early years, we only have four units so that you have that time. But that right there is the foundation for learning transfer. Because after playing multiple times with these materials, what's going to eventually happen is this. A child or children playing together are going to see, okay, I have this family over here. They have certain needs. I understand this idea of building structures and materials and how they're made and how um, certain materials and how they're put together create a structure that will last. Then comes the next question. I wonder how I can create a structure for my dolls from these blocks. Now we're taking two sets of isolated play and giving an opportunity of how can we create a connection. That's inquiry, but the child is making that up. You might be able to um, give some provocations to, you know, lead them there. But that's what we want. We want the learners to create their own meaning, right? And so that's how inquiry naturally unfolds. But children don't ever have the chance to play with the dolls and the blocks. They're not going to make that connection. That makes sense, right? And I know that that is very simple. But what's really interesting is a lot of people misunderstand it. And let's be clear, play's not all about tinkering with materials. There's also ideas. You know, when we give open-ended tasks to our learners and we ask them to play with the ideas, or you give a provocation and you ask a group, well, how would you solve this problem? And it's related to your unit and it's also related to your content. That's not revolutionary, but it's about being 
once again, intentional. How are we creating these situations so students are able to scaffold their learning for themselves and be able to make the connections for themselves? And I know most teachers struggle with the time. Where am I going to get the time to do this? How am I going um, to embed this into my practice? There's a lot of ways, but it takes about 15 to 20 minutes a day. And you can do that in small group instruction, to, um, um, not small group instruction, yes, instruction within your station time. But how do I, we talked a lot about early years, so how do I make this happen for older students? So think about a typical science experiment within your classroom or within your lab. Are you always outlining the rules of the investigation? Are you providing all the steps for your learners? You're going to do this, 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 and this. Because the way to increase play into your learning is giving the materials to your learners and asking them to examine them. Just point blank. What do you see? What do you notice? And you might do this before you go into the actual experimentation. That makes sense, right? What can they possibly be used for? That's another qu a great question. Let them tinker. Don't get in the way. And then present, after they've tinkered with those materials, then present another set of materials at another time. What can they do with these materials? And then you bring all the materials together and you ask them, how might you use all of these materials? You don't have to use every last one, but how can you use some of the materials within this combined group to create a new investigation. Now, whoa, this allows for openness of learner investigation inquiry. Now all the questions are going to be popping out and children are going to be making unusual connections. And what's amazing too is you're going to be sitting back, going from group to group, clearing up any misconceptions, but you're going to see the learning come to life. And then what's amazing, after you go through all of that process, that's when you come in with the instruction. You provoke, you provoke, you ask questions, you draw upon prior experience, you draw upon student wonderings, then you teach. Complete opposite of what we've been taught um, by so much, so much structures and organizations, right? And I think that that was a huge aha for me as I was growing and developing as a teacher. Where are my learners in here? How are they playing with the materials instead of me playing with them? And I'm telling you, every time I got out of the way, every time, that's when the magic happened. So how are you ensuring that this is happening for your learners? And that's a big puzzle piece, right? Because I think we all agree that play is important, but how it looks in my classroom is going to be different than how it looks in your classroom. And isn't that a beautiful thing? Because your learners and their needs are different, but the play needs to be there or else the inquiry is going to always be superficial. And that was a huge aha for me as I was shifting towards more authentic inquiry. Am I giving them enough time? to just to play with the materials and the ideas. 
And this is a reminder from Ron Richhart. I was fortunate to take an online course with him. And he said something that really stuck with me. Our aha moments are just new, is just new knowledge for our students. Think about that. Our aha moments is just new knowledge for our students. And the reason why, because there's no meaning behind it. It's just information coming at them. But until they are able to apply it and figure it out on their own and say, why is this meaningful? Until that happens, it's not going to stick and it's not going to transfer. But I can be guaranteeing you that you're going to hit all of your objectives because you're still crafting the learning to reach the end goal, whatever that might be in your unit. And play provides that meaning, my friends. And isn't it time that we bring it more back into the classroom, especially if we're back face to face? So think about this as you plan your next unit and your lesson plans. I hope you have a wonderful day. And it's just, I know you're going to make play come more about in your practice. And I can't wait to hear.